Welcome to the Going For Two podcast, where recording this podcast is the only thing that's keeping us sane during the pandemic. I'm your co-host, Ben Cobb, joined today with the other one and only co-host, I guess actually two and not only co-host, Logan (laughs) Sartain. Logan, what's going on, man? Just living the dream. Living the dream. Yes, I love it. How do you feel now that we had a semblance of sports uh, for just three days, but after going for about 40 days without sports, it felt a little good to to get back and add kind of a semi-reality to uh, this season? It did. Honestly, you know, yes, I feel I'm drained, you know? It's like I... I haven't been training for this. I've been uh, <laughs> starved, uh, metaphorically speaking, when it comes to um, to sports content. And, and then I got, you know, uh, something like 18 hours straight of it, it felt like. So, yeah, I know. I, you know, I don't think I've ever watched that much of the day three of the draft <laughs> as I did this year, just because I was like, you know, this is this is sports. This is great. Uh, it, we haven't had this in such a long time. Uh, and it was, it was really, really welcomed and it, it made things kind of seem normal for a few days. Because so. We've, we've gotten so accustomed to, you know, during the draft or in this time of year, day three of the draft is on Saturday and you flip it on the TV and you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. First round or the first pick of the fourth round. Oh, I might've known him. I might've known him. And then it gets about halfway through and you're like, I don't know any of these guys. Right. What else is on like division two college softball. Yeah. I might (laughs) watch that. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. But now they've got the eyes and the attentions of everyone. And I think they did a a pretty good job. Um, I won't harp too much on the, uh, the change from in person to virtual, because I know a lot of, uh, draft and NFL podcasts have already touched on that in their own post-draft episodes. Um, but I do want to acknowledge, you know, I, I think that they did a really good job. And um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just glad that there was something to watch on TV. You know, I'm, I'm glad that it was still exciting and still had that um, kind of awe factor to it and surprise. And so I, it was really, really good to have that back. That's for sure. So I, you know, if we had actually a very good turnout um, listening to our pre-draft episode um, that we recorded last week and put out um, a day or so before the NFL draft. Um, and so if you listen to that episode, then you know, Logan knows a lot about the NFL draft. So because of that, we're going to kind of do this format where I have questions that I want to get Logan's take on for today's episode. And they're probably questions that you as our listeners would like to hear uh, Logan's take on as well. Some of them are, are more general to who had the best draft. And then some of them are more specific asking about individual players. Um, we crowdsourced and try to get some questions from our listeners on social media before this, but if you did not submit your questions in time and you want to hear Logan's response uh, about the NFL draft and his takeaway uh, about your specific question, even after this episode, you can go ahead and shoot us a message on Twitter 
uh, or mm-hmm. DM us on Instagram or Facebook and we'll get your response and maybe talk about it on our next episode as well. Um, so Logan, let's just dive right in. I'm pumped to hear your takes. I know, you know, a lot, you watch a lot of uh, film. It sounds like going into the draft, <laughs> you had great takes on it last time. Um, so I'm really excited to see what your answers are for some of these questions that I know uh, are probably on the top of our radar for um, a lot of our listeners. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to put some of this knowledge that would otherwise be useless to use. Yeah, I mean, it, that's really, that's the only reason we have this podcast, right? That's because... <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yeah, right. so right. <laughs> right, I exactly. I store so much information about sports and specifically football. And when it comes to football, primarily the draft in my brain, and it has to be there for a reason. And this is it. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right for these two episodes of the year. And now let's get into it. All right, Logan. So it was a really fun night. Um there were a, there was not a lot of trades until there were a lot of trades. <laughs> right. Uh, a lot of movement, some teams. It, it really <laughs> didn't follow with how you and I picked uh, when we did our mock draft. And I don't really think it followed a lot of the other mock drafts out there as well. So it's it was a really interesting turnout. So let's start with the big question and just get right to it. Who had the best draft overall? Which team? Oh, that's really tough to say. Um, but And so I'll give you a little bit of, of clarification on how I'm going to come to this answer. So I went through and I determined who I project to have drafted the most starters. So some teams had less draft picks. Some teams had more. There were trades that were made that should be factored in. But from the standpoint of um, who acquired the most talent that's going to project as a starter, I came up with four teams that drafted five starters. Those teams are the Cowboys, Ravens, Browns, and Dolphins. I think the Browns had a kind of surprisingly good draft. They're the one that's no one's talking about. Uh, the Dolphins, um, while they did have a ton of picks, you know, they there's a few question marks, but they um, they made some solid selections as well. Um, overall, I think the Ravens had the best draft um, quality top to bottom um, at a lot of their picks. Um, And a couple others um, that I want to throw in there are the Panthers and the Jaguars, who I feel like selected three players with first round talent. So if you want to look at elite starters, Panthers and Jaguars probably win that category, but starters overall, I'm going with the Ravens probably followed by the Cowboys. Cowboys did really good as well. Okay, so in your mind, the Baltimore Ravens had the best overall draft. The best overall draft, in my mind, goes to the Ravens. What did, what did you make of their first round uh, draft? Well, what did you make of Patrick Queen? Um, that was a little bit, you know, with Ke- uh, Kenneth Murray going to the Chargers and then Patrick Queen, Queen quote-unquote, dropping to the Ravens. Do you think that mm-hmm. was a good pickup for them? Oh, I think that was great. I think um, I think he was the uh, like the second best. If you if you want to categorize um, Isaiah Simmons as a linebacker, then I had Patrick Simmons probably as my second best linebacker, mm-hmm. and they got him at pick twenty one. Um, no, pick twenty eight. I'm sorry. Right. Right. So yep. I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah's list, he was like the 15th overall player. They got him at 28. And then 
uh, with their second pick, J.K. Dobbins. I think he was a first-round talent, and they got him in the second round, pick 23 in the second round. Um, a couple others, Justin Matabuke is going to project as a starter at defensive tackle out of A&M. Devin Duvernay is going to be an impact player at receiver. Malik Harrison, they kind of doubled down on that um, linebacker position from Ohio State. All guys that I think will be starters, um, you know, probably within the next couple years. Yeah, and I think that your pick uh, for best draft overall is certainly one that's shared among um, draft experts. I was listening to, I think it was the Pro Football Insiders podcast, and they shared that same sentiment that out of all the teams, they liked the Ravens draft. So I definitely think that the Ravens are uh, impressing everyone with their draft. And obviously with the talent that they have, adding a great draft class is just going to make the NFL uh, try and try to keep up with them a little bit more. And that's going to be a little bit uh, more difficult to do. Speaking of it being difficult to keep up with good teams in the NFL, let's pivot a little bit. I want to see your answer for the opposite question. Who had the worst draft out of all the teams? I mean, I'm I'm gonna go chalk here again. I'm no I know you've heard this answer, but I think the Packers had the worst draft. Mm. Like when I look at their roster, uh, you know, week one next season, there's zero starters that they drafted. Um, because their first two picks, round one and round two, they picked players that they have a strength at currently. So and, and not one that you put multiple players on the field at either. You don't put two quarterbacks on the field. So Jordan Love is not starting next season unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. And you don't really put two running backs on the field very often. So A.J. Dillon is, you know, he's a backup as well because maybe your second best player on the Packers last season was Aaron Jones. So it made no sense. They didn't draft a single wide receiver the only other offensive weapon that they got was a tight end out of Cincinnati in round three. You know, he looked kind of impressive on, on tape, but he didn't test really well. He didn't, he wasn't one of the tight ends I was hearing about before the draft. So they did get him some offensive line help, which they need going guard in the sixth round center in the sixth round and tackle in the sixth round. But, you know, again, those are sixth round picks. Those are, going to project as backup players as well. So for a team that was kind of a shaky 13 and three with really only one or two major offensive weapons, why, why did you not go out and get another receiver? There were 36 receivers picked in this year's draft and the Packers selected zero. Yeah. I think that was, is the question that everybody's asking. Um, so Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the Jordan Love scenario. That was definitely one of, if not the most surprising drafts of the first round. Did you like it, love it, or hate it? I didn't hate it. Um, I see what they're doing. Um, it's not a win-now move unless you're thinking that that is the fire that Aaron Rodgers needed to um, to play better. But I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the problem with this team. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the direction. I also don't have nearly that high of a grade on Jordan Love. So I'm against the pick, but I understand it. It wasn't a surprise because of, you know, I'd heard, I'd heard rumblings. I'd heard people project Jordan Love 
uh, to that spot in that range. Um, he's a project which, you know, is you don't want to pick a project when you need a starter. So in that <clears throat> respect, the Packers did right by, you know, hey, we've still got Aaron Rodgers for at least two or three more years. Let's get our guy now. We think this guy could be the next Patrick Mahomes, but he's not there yet. So let's let him develop. So that makes sense. It would have made more sense if they followed that up with a receiver in round two and then, you know, maybe a back with more receiving uh, strengths in round three or four, a tight end that was a little better. You know, it, if they, if that was their only mistake, I would have, I would have probably graded their, their draft is pretty good because they did. I think Jordan Love is it could be really good, but it's just not a good draft for them this year. Yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of people are uh, comparing Aaron Rodgers being to being drafted to the Packers sitting behind Brett Favre for a little bit. Brett Favre gets shipped off. Rodgers starts and becomes phenomenal and saying, you know, is that trajectory going to happen with Jordan Love? If anything, it's certainly a good environment for Jordan Love to continue to learn in uh, and sit a little bit behind Aaron Rodgers before he takes over for Aaron Rodgers or for another team. So speaking about uh, the players, one of the most important deciding factors for whether or not a player is successful uh, is the team that they're drafted to and the situation Mm -hmm. into which they're drafted. The coaching staff, the other players, the system in place. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts around which player you think was drafted into the best situation for their overall success and the team's overall success around them. So best situation overall, I'm going to, and I'm going to kind of, and there's a couple questions that I'll do this to Ben. Um, okay. Combine a couple of your questions. So I've seen your questions, but you haven't heard my answers. Yep. This one, best situation, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, he is a heck of a back. He's a great receiving back. I completely see the comparisons to um, Brian Westbrook in this Andy Reid offense. I think, you know, I think that could be, uh, I, w- I would say that's the ceiling for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's not a speedster necessarily. He's not going to, he doesn't have that next level speed. He's got plenty of quickness and his balance is incredible. I would say, what I think we're going to see in Clyde Edwards Hilaire is like a Ray Rice type running back. And I know that's mm. a, a little bit of a controversial name, but if you remember the couple seasons before his, um, his mistake and his caught on camera moment, he was an elite back in the league, not just running, but also receiving and kind of built like a bowling ball, not real tall, um, very short, stocky, hard to hit in the legs because it's hard to get that low. So that's what I see Clyde Edwards Hilaire being for the Chiefs. And he's really he's a great pick in that situation, but I don't think he was the best available running back talent. I really put him probably fourth on my list of running backs. Um, I would have thought DeAndre Swift would have even been a better pick for them because he can do a lot of the same things that Edwards Hilaire can do, and he's just a more explosive athlete. Um, Jonathan Taylor would have been a nice change of pace compared to what they do. He's not nearly the receiving threat, but in my mind, I was looking at, okay, 
you've got Patrick Mahomes who's spreading it over the field. You run four wide receivers or three wide receivers, Travis Kelsey and Jonathan Taylor out there, and then you just run it straight up the gut. Who you've got to have you've got five guys, five offensive linemen blocking five guys in the box, and then you've got Jonathan Taylor trying to outrun or run over a safety. And I think that's a that would be a really good combo for them but that's not the direction they went i also think jk dobbins is just kind of like deandre swift light maybe a little bit faster so i would have liked either any of those three guys better but it's really all more about that offense and how explosive it is and adding an elite running back to it will only do uh do more wonders um what what was your thought about the Clyde Edwards Hilaire pick? Uh surprising for sure. Um, you know, I, I was actually pretty surprised that the Chiefs took a running back in the first place. And not that that wasn't a need for them, but Andy Reid does not have a history of taking running backs early in the draft at all. Mm. Uh, I believe that LaShawn McCoy was the only running back that he took in the first, I forget if it was the first or second round, but uh, he was the lone running back that Andy Reid had taken uh, very early in his entire career of, of drafting in the NFL. So that was very surprising to me that they took a running back. And then what compounded that surprise was just the fact that it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, I think that he's a talented back. I love your comparison of Ray Rice. Uh, for some reason, I haven't even thought about that comparison. But I think uh, that is much more accurate than, let's say, some of the smaller, other smaller running backs mm-hmm. in the NFL, like an Austin Eckler. You know, he's not an Austin Eckler. He is a Ray Rice, yep. one of the guys that is – he's a bowling ball. He can catch uh, – he's kind of like a um, uh, similar to a, um, Maurice Jones-Drew, although probably – a little less bowling ball esque and a little bit more catching mm-hmm. the ball esque than him. So I really like that comparison. Uh, but I thought if they did go running back, uh, DeAndre Swift would have been a, a better fit. I saw him as a, a better player, as I think most people did. Um, but they obviously have a specific scheme in mind and a specific player in mind to fill that. Uh, and, and I guess that's just what they wanted to go with. So uh, it was surprising. Um, but it was a good way to end the first round with a yeah. little bit of surprising controversy. For sure. A couple other guys that went to great situations, uh, Justin Jefferson will be perhaps over time an upgrade over Stefan Diggs in that Minnesota offense. Gary Kubiak is notorious for being able to take advantage of multiple receiving threats. So I think he's in a great situation. CD lamb comes in to Dallas as potentially the third receiver might play a little bit in the slot and, his biggest thing was being able to run after catch his explosiveness with the ball in his hands and not being able to be double covered. And that Dallas offense is going to be huge for him. And then um, Javon Kinlaw going to the 49ers, plugging in exactly where uh, DeForest DeForest Buckner left off um, just surrounded by first round picks. You can't double team anybody on that, on that defensive line. And that's going to allow them – that's going to allow Ken Law to have a very productive first season and on into his career. Definitely. And so, I, I, you know, I, I think those are um, really good players that are going to mesh well with, uh, with the team that they were brought into. But that doesn't always happen, as we've seen a lot of the times – 
you can have very talented players that get into really bad situations. And a lot of the time that's more prone to, uh, you know, the first top 10 picks with the teams who are a little bit more volatile, uh, maybe new coaching changes and they're great talents, but they're put into these poorly managed teams. So tell me, Logan, which players do you think are, or perhaps which player is in the worst situation was drafted into the worst situation. So my worst situation player is probably going to be a little bit of a surprise, but I'm going Henry Ruggs drafted by the Las Vegas Mm -hmm. Raiders. And not because I don't think he's a great receiver, but if Devontae Smith would have come out of Alabama, he would have been the third first round pick at receiver to come off of that Alabama offense. So he was playing with just NFL talent all around him. And he was not even the number one receiver on his team. So he was, he played that deep threat, that uh, speedster role. And he wasn't even the only guy that did that. Uh, They had a guy named Waddle who was a freshman who was maybe just as fast as Henry Ruggs. So I just think that he's not necessarily in a bad situation, uh, but he's being set up to not live up to expectations. If the Raiders drafted him to be their number one, and they think that he can be the next um, Tyreek Hill, like like he is with the Chiefs, then I I think the chances are slim to none that he lives up to that hype. But I think he could be really good. I would love to have him on my team, but I don't think you want to rely on him as a number one because you know while your ceiling is Tyreek Hill, your floor is John Ross, who has done little to nothing with the Bengals. Uh, in drafting a small speed receiver and trying to make him uh, an elite receiving threat. So that's my worst situation. The Raiders also don't have a ton of confidence in their quarterback. So what's their offense going to look like? They don't have a true number one receiver on the roster. Um, Tyrell Williams is solid, but not elite in in any way. And uh, so that's, that's my thought. Um, A couple other guys, the corners who were drafted in the first round, other than um, shoot Jeff Okuda, I think Jeff Okuda is going to be an elite player. But C.J. Henderson, A.J. Terrell, Damon Arnett, those guys are drafted into situations that I think they're not ready to live up to. Uh, they're replacing guys or stepping into roles uh, as you know guys who are going to be left on an island guys who are going to be the top corner on the team and they're setting themselves up to be, to be targeted. Um, and I don't think those guys are ready for that yet. Um, CJ Henderson is, is not going to be, uh, I'm forgetting names left and right today. Jalen Ramsey. He's not going to be Jalen right. Ramsey right off the bat. AJ Terrell is going to be targeted in that um, Falcons defense. Same with Damon Arnett. He was a reach in my mind. And um, so those guys, again, not necessarily that they are bad players or even that they won't grow into good players, but expectations are going to be a little higher than reality for those guys. Two, Two guys that are in subpar situations just because of crowded backfields are Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. I think the Colts and the Lions both drafted at a position where they already had a strength. Marlon Mack is an excellent three-down back. 
and they now have a bruiser in Jonathan Taylor. And Carrion Johnson, while he has had some health concerns, is is a really solid back as well for Detroit. So it's gonna gonna be a battle in my mind for both of those guys to get uh, carries. So I don't like the situation for them um, or necessarily their counterpart. Yeah, I think those are some really good. Uh, that's that's some really good insight. I think your mention of the Raiders pick. Uh, with their speedster wide receiver um, with Henry Ruggs, it, it harkens back to the Darius Haywood Bay era yeah. uh, when they were going for speed, speed, speed. And now I know Darius Hayward Bay was last with the Steelers, but I'm not sure where he is anymore. Uh, and I would be surprised if Henry Ruggs uh, wasn't relied on too much in that offense. Like you were saying, their receiving core is Tyrell Williams, uh, Hunter Renfro, um, you know, it's not an elite receiving core. They've got some decent guys, but Tyrell Williams gets a lot more credit than I think he deserves, especially with after watching him for the past few years in the Chargers. He's, uh, he's great. He's got great size, great body, but he's just not there. Henry Ruggs is going to be asked to be the guy. It's going to be difficult for him to really be the guy. I think there was a lot of more players like Judy uh, that really could have been a a better pick than his teammate in Henry Ruggs. So Logan, before we transition to uh, more player specific questions, I want to ask you the big, the big two questions. And those are, and it is transitioning a little bit into the player specific questions, but uh, those questions are one, what was the best pick of the draft? And two, what was the worst pick of the draft? Best pick of the draft was Isaiah Simmons to the Cardinals. I think he was the best player in the draft. Did he, if he'd been picked number one overall, I might still have said that. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 pretty happy with with that pick for the Cardinals. He's he could be the star of their defense and kind of the second face of the franchise. You know, Kyler Murray's obviously going to be the first. And right now, uh, it may not even be Kyler Murray. It may be Cliff Kingsbury. But um, (laughs) I think that Isaiah Simmons could be an all-world talent. I don't love the comments I heard from their defensive coordinator about how they were going to use him. I believe that's Vance Joseph. And he said, not going to play a lot of hybrid. Um, He won't play much safety or corner. He's going to play linebacker for us. Well, when you got a guy that can do it all, you might want to let him do it all. Um, it, it, yeah, it's a little early to say something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it really does depend. Um, they could still get him in the right situation, keeping him at linebacker 90% of the time. Um, I just don't, yeah, I didn't love hearing that right off the bat. Yeah. And then the worst pick that's, that's an interesting one. <laughs> um, Man, I might have to go with let me let me check back. I, I don't wanna miss someone that I just absolutely hated. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think I've gotta go with oof, those two are gonna be really tough. So two picks I absolutely did not like. 
were uh, number 19, the Raiders drafting Damon Arnett. I think there were a lot yep. better corners left on the board. Um, that's one where, you know, maybe they proved me wrong. Um, he played uh, opposite Jeff Okuda, said he was an, actually a comparable player as far as technique, just not as athletic. And um, we've seen guys with sub, uh, not elite athleticism be superior players in the NFL. So that's possible. But I didn't love that. I think that was a, probably the biggest reach of the first round. And then 21, the Eagles going Jalen Rieger. I thought he was going to be a good player. He had some excellent film and highlights out of TCU. And that offense was not very good. Um, their quarterback situation, I believe they were playing a true freshman. So I understand him not being super, super productive. But my problem with the pick is that Justin Jefferson was on the board. <laughs> and and they went with yeah. Jalen Rieger, who I think – who I didn't even have probably in my top eight receivers. Um, there was there were several I would have gone with before I went with Rieger. But mainly Jefferson uh, because he's – what I thought was in that top group in that top four receivers. I think he may be the turn out to be the best pro pro player. And he, they let him slip up to Minnesota. Yeah. And I appreciate you. I don't think I sent you that question ahead of time. So the fact that you were able to pull your worst picks out of your mind, (laughs) kind of, uh, cements the fact that they were truly the worst picks because you didn't have to do too much digging to to be able to spot those. And I, I definitely agree. I think a lot of people had uh, Damon Arnett as a, a head-scratcher for sure. So staying within the AFC West, this is possibly the question I want to hear your insight into the most as a Chargers fan and everybody probably knows where this question is going. But tell me your thoughts on Justin Herbert, and then I'll tell you mine. So I was only surprised by the pick because the hype train leading right up to the draft was all about a lot of movement at the top of the board. You know, there was there was talk about um, the Dolphins trading up, but not for a quarterback. There was talk of the Dolphins taking Herbert instead of Tua, you know, the Dolphins seemed to be this kind of the the rumor mill where it was swirling. There was uh, rumors that they were going to trade up to number one to get Joe Burrow, you know, all of this stuff. And I think I think that's a master class by their GM and probably their media department. I don't know, whoever was leaking those stories to get everything out, every narrative possible out about them not taking Tua. And then guess what happens? No one trades. Tua is there at five. <laughs> and like, yeah, yep. like, yep, this yep. is what we wanted. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> so after that happened, I was not nece- I was not surprised that the Chargers went with Justin Herbert. Really and truly, this went more chalk than anyone expected, I think, with especially with the top six picks. Like, I think you could have picked this the day after the college football national championship. Like you could have said, Joe Burrow one, mm. Chase Young two, Jeff Akuda three, Andrew Tom. Well, Andrew Thomas was the the wild card there, but offensive right. line to the Giants four, Tua to the Dolphins, Herbert to the Chargers. He was the best quarterback on the board, and so 
that's not what you really want me to say. What you want me to say is he's going to be a perennial all pro lead the chargers to six Super Bowls, right? <laughs> that would be ideal. Unfortunately, I think he, well, I think he could, he can win a Super Bowl. I believe that wholeheartedly. And especially with as talented as the roster is in LA. Um, but I think he's average. I think he's going to be a, you know, nine, 10 year starter. Uh, see Andy Dalton, who's just ended his career with um, the Bengals and is looking for employment elsewhere. Um, that's the trajectory that I see Justin Herbert on. If the uh, if the Bengals had had more talent, Andy Dalton could have taken them further. I, I believe that, and I believe that about Justin Herbert. He's a good athlete. He's smart. He's a good character guy. He's not going to have any problems. Um, I'm going to say he's going to end up being the third best quarterback in this class. And I think my method will prove this out. So what I would tell you is that Joe Burrow and Tua are better than him. But what I think statistics will prove out is that one of the top two quarterbacks in nearly every draft is going to bust. So you look at Andrew Luck and RG3. Now, while RG3 is the one still in the league, Andrew Luck was clearly not a bust, and RG3 was. So the top guy busts, and then I'm saying you're going to have someone from a later round who's going to surprise you. So my guess would be that is Jalen Hurts in this draft. And so I'm going to say my guess is you're going to have Tua or Burrow be an elite-level starter uh, Jalen Hurts or another guy from a later round will also be an elite level starter. And Justin Herbert is going to be, you know, potentially a 10 year starter for the Chargers, but never reach that elite level. So are you saying that Justin Herbert will be better than uh, either Tua or Joe Burrow? Like one, one of them. them. I believe gotcha. Herbert will be the third best guy, and one of the top two will drop out. Okay. Yeah, I think I share a lot of that sentiment. Um, I think that so right after Herbert was drafted, I went on YouTube and began watching his film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, quickly you realize you, th- it's not hard to form an opinion about him and have that opinion, I think, generally be correct. Uh, he's got a lot of athleticism. Uh, he's pretty raw. There's some mechanical stuff that uh, he needs to work out before being successful in the NFL. In, a, in the NFL. Uh, he's a little toesy in the pocket. He does one of the ball flips when he gets the ball. Uh, hasn't played a snap under center, I believe, at all uh, during his college career. So there are some very apparent uh, flaws in his game, but he is athletic. He can hurl the mm-hmm. ball. Um, he's He's got actually – pretty good pocket awareness, which I think is highly underrated in coming into the NFL. Because if you're a rookie and you start to get flustered in the pocket and you don't know how to take two steps forward and create a new pocket for you, and instead you throw a bad pass, throw it out of bounds, or scramble and end up getting sacked elsewhere in the backfield, that's really that's difficult to kind of bring to the table when you're a rookie. So I enjoy the fact that Justin Herbert has that. Um, so he's got... He's got the things that aren't teachable with the athleticism um, and kind of that feel for the presence, but he lacks the things that are teachable, which is a good scenario and not unlike a lot of rookies coming into it. 
Uh, the Chargers actually just hired Pep Hamilton to help come in and, and train up Justin Herbert. Um, but I, I agree that I don't think Justin Herbert is going to be anything special in the NFL. I think he'll kind of uh, be decent. He'll have his he'll have his day in the sun um, like Andy Dalton did. I like that comparison as well. Um, possibly kind of like a, a Joe Flacco comparison, although maybe not as much of a nosedive as we've seen <laughs> in the past few years as Joe Flacco. But, you know, he's got that capability to uh, shine for a little bit. But there are just some flaws in his game that really make me uh, worried. And I, I didn't like the pick. Uh, I understand why we took it, but I, w- I would have rather picked uh, an Isaiah Simmons type pick, ride with Tyrod and get someone in the draft for uh next year but i understand why they did that and i'm it's fun it's it's fun to have uh a pick like that the chargers haven't had a quarterback you know that they have had to rely on so heavily as just herbert since 2004 so um since mm-hmm. that era with philip rivers and even a little bit before with jubilee so it's going to be fun uh as a chargers fan watching it um transpire but yeah i'm, I'm interested because you had talked about jalen hurts and that's kind of that was another pick that a lot of people thought, whoa, that's interesting, but not necessarily a bad pick. So in your mind, how do the Eagles use Hurts in that offense when they've already got wins? Yeah, I, I've heard different opinions, and this was my biggest surprise. So you've you've touched on another question there. My biggest surprise in the draft was the Eagles going Jalen Hurts here. Um, mm. I see the justification for it. Wentz gets hurt, hurt a lot. They think they can develop quarterback talent. Um, you know, I don't know if you're going to see him as a gadget player or not. Um, to one to one argument, he's not the athlete that Taysom Hill is. He's not that fast. He is not going to be able to outrun cornerbacks, or um, he doesn't have you know the experience blocking like a tight end or a fullback or anything like Taysom Hill's doing, he's not going to cover punts or be the up back on punts. So yeah, there's that, but he's a different kind of athlete. And I don't know that it's a a whole lot lesser. He's a powerful runner. Um, So I don't know that you don't see him come in and line up right beside Carson Wentz or, um, you know, take a handoff and and do some of that stuff. Um, So I could see him being a gadget player. Um, but no, not in the same vein of Taysom Hill, not going to be nearly used as often either. Um, I think he's going to be a backup quarterback. I think he can do a lot of the things that Carson Wentz can do, not as developed as a passer. He is a better rusher. And, uh, you know, we'll see if Carson Wentz can make it the full season. And if not, they may have another great backup situation. Uh, the best explanation I heard was this for during Carson Wentz's rookie contract, they paid Nick Foles a lot of money to be the backup quarterback. They've essentially got a budget that they've got to stay in for their quarterback position. And now that Carson Wentz is getting a lot of money, they need a backup who's going to be good, but is not going to make a lot of money. And that's where Jalen Hurts fits in. Yeah, I think that's, a really, really good um, analysis of his role in that offense. A lot of people are drawing those distinctions to Taysom Hill, and I agree that I think he's going to be used a little bit differently than Taysom Hill is uh, being used in the Saints. So, Logan, the last question that I have for you, and it's, it's, it's appropriate that it's the last question because 
It's a sleeper question, meaning that it's the last question, but it's also a very important question. So who's the best sleeper in this draft? Best sleeper. I've got two names for you. I'm going to go more true to the definition, first of all, and I'm going to go Bradley and Nye from Utah okay. to the Cowboys. And let me find that pick here so I can speak accurately about it. And Nye was picked in you don't... the fifth round with the 34th pick. So that was a comp- compensatory pick. Um, he's, by a lot of scouts, um, one of the top edge rushers in this class. Like, he didn't test really well. He's a little short, 6'3", 257, not, not great size for a defensive end in the NFL. But what translates to the NFL more than any trait is production. And Bradley and I had production at a power five school. So I'm excited as a Cowboys fan because we've kind of got some gambles on our edge rushers right now. Uh, We know Demarcus Lawrence is an elite player on the other side of him. We're counting on a combo of um, Randy Gregory and Alden Smith, two guys who have dealt with (laughs) suspensions. One of whom who hasn't been in the league since uh, 2015. So Bradley and I is going to come in and he may not look like the best player for the job, but if he gets sacks, put him in the game coach. So my other guy um, who is just one of my favorite players in this draft class is Denzel Mims. And I don't know why. And I really should have said this on the podcast. I just had a feeling that Denzel Mims was going to end up being a jet. I knew they needed receiver help. I knew he wasn't going to be one of the top guys off the board. And as soon as they went tackle, I was like, yeah, that, that sets up right. Like they can get a player that no, he's not the same guy that CD lamb or Jerry Judy is, but I think he's in that second tier and they got him with the 27th pick in the second round. So uh, I think that was a great selection for them. I think he will be a very productive player, even as a rookie um, in that offense with Adam Gase and Sam Darnold. Yeah, I agree. I was impressed with the Mims as well. thought he was going to go. I had him go to the Packers mm-hmm. in the first round, and obviously that didn't happen with their Jordan Love selection. Uh, but, look, I, I appreciate the insight. I think the listeners definitely appreciate the insight. Um, it was a controversial, uh, strange draft this year, but it was a draft nonetheless, and the NFL has – a lot of new, young, shining faces that are hopefully going to uh, have their rookie debut come this fall. Logan, it's been a lot of fun hearing about your insight and your take on it. Um, As I said, listeners, if you have any questions that Logan didn't get to uh, today or if you have any other questions that you can think of, just let us know and we'll be happy to answer that either on our social media page or discuss it in one of our following episodes. As always, you can reach us at our Twitter page, the and you can find us there at going for two pod at going for two underscore pod. Um, DM, leave a comment. You can also share this podcast on Anchor, Spotify, um, and communicate with us as well via Gmail. You can find us on Gmail at going for two pod one nine at gmail.com going for two pod one nine at gmail.com. Don't be strangers. Let us know what you think of the episode. Uh, Review, comment, write us, communicate. We'd love to hear from you. Logan, 
Until next time. It's Thanks been fun. for listening.